Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. Good morrow, Otterites. This is episode 179. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. So, uh, as we mentioned, uh, the guys let me put this one on the schedule because we were looking for pop culture episodes. And... Uh, so I threw this one on. This is 1971 in pop culture. And you may be saying, why that year? <coughs> yeah, and we I, did say that. So Yes, yes, repeatedly. Repeatedly. <laughs> so the thing I find interesting about this year in particular is it seems like a lot of things are crossing paths here. There's still some leftover 60s optimism. Yeah. Because as we move farther into the 70s, it seems like disaster piles upon disaster. You know, the, the complete failure in Vietnam, uh, Watergate. Energy crisis. Energy crisis. Blah, blah, you know, one, one, Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter. <laughs> one stacked on the next on the next. But 71 is still this moment when, well, maybe Nixon's not super popular, but he's he's, you know... Cresting the wave, he's probably going to win the next election. Um, How little they knew. There's still a little, again, this leftover kind of optimism of the Woodstock era and all that. But 1971 sees the beginning of the Manson family trial in Los Angeles. There are a lot of negative things going on in the culture. So when we say pop culture, we usually talk about media. Yeah. Yes. But I think we could really broaden this. We're talking about an entire year. Right. Uh, we yes. should talk about literally what's going on in the culture. Uh, you know, if that's all right with the captain here, whose idea this was. Yes. Because, uh, you know, there is the, the Manson uh, trial, which yes. is captures the imagination and the... the yes. I mean, uh, it, it was the original trial of the century. Yes. When you talk about even bigger than, say, the Scopes trial in the 30s or anything, this is a worldwide phenomenon with Manson and the girls and, uh, and the family members that are not on trial outside and, you know, the beginnings of global media and, you know, satellite news and all of this. And here's this perfect storm of, here's this dude that's way out um, who's not just murdered, but murdered a, a pregnant television actress. Yes. And didn't do it himself. You're, they're trying to prove in court that he brainwashed other people into doing it in his name. Right. Uh, it, Which they were successful at. Yeah, right. I mean, it's a very unique and crazy moment. Right. This is... It, it is unique at the time because this would have been unthinkable that... I mean, it's so out of the blue that you wouldn't even have made this up at the time. Right. right. It, it That's is, how out of the blue it's this It's truly is. a truth is stranger than fiction type moment. It's just crazy and at the same time this is all going on um you're turning the page on a lot of other 60s media it's the last episode of the ed sullivan show airs in 71 the first episode of all in the family yeah i was gonna say airs in 71 we've talked about norman lear and all the family and the, the change in television going on well, at this change time. In, in movies as well this yes. is when everything goes from westerns and and big screen kind of you know big fantasy or big uh, the big historical epics are gone epics right? that's musicals are gone and you're in this 
cinema verite era. This, this, you know, it's gotta be all real life. It's gotta be gritty. It's gotta it's be dirty. Harry is seventy one. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, pretty soon you're gonna have uh, the French Connection and these other similar films that are supposed to be grounded in this very gritty realism. Yeah. You know, honestly, I, we've talked about it before, but I, you know, just to reiterate for listeners and new listeners, though, I'm sure we are picking up by the score every episode. Sure. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of what is 1970s culture in the media, at the very least, is due to rejection of what had gone before due to Vietnam. Yes. yes. And yeah. its coverage. Uh, in the face so of... What was going on in Vietnam? It's it's as though people could no longer handle the lighthearted. Yeah, yeah. You know, we can't was, do that. Well, it anymore. was seen as being disingenuous because yes. people, as Martin has said many times, you cannot sit with Gomer Pyle laughing and schmucking his way uh, through uh, thirty minutes every week when you're also seeing body bags come back from Vietnam. Right. And Gomer never makes a single mention that's of right. Vietnam. That's, that's just the never obvious once. one. There are, you know, yeah. So much of that was done. And people saying, yeah, I mean, no. Petticoat Junction and Green Acres and all this is gone, replaced with Maud and other... Yeah. You know, these Which, other, and we, yeah, we've talked about that too, about the, the rural disappearance or whatever the... Purge. 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 Because yeah. uh, it was very good. Even though those shows that were purged were doing well. well very much so, yeah. And yet... All of a sudden, they're gone. That strikes me as so incredible because usually TV execs are not making a change unless things are bad. I mean, that that's, yeah, that's a, they're usually very risk averse, and that was a risk move. Very, right? very so well. Let's dump these popular shows and do something that's not been done. Go after a younger, younger demographic. Well, it's not so much go after a younger demographic. I mean, it's that too, but it's also, uh, Throwing away what's making you money That's right. yeah. on the chance that this new thing might make you well, money. Well, I mean, it's but he read the cult, cultural zeitgeist of the times. And that's the reason this is different from many other because this this thing would be followed several times over and over again when a network is really down in the dumps. They bring in a new guy. This is no different than corporations, and we're going to fix this. I mean, we're going through it right now. If you pay attention to the Warner Brothers Discovery uh, perks, they brought in David Zaslav. And people, and he, he's cutting things left and right. Uh, the Batgirl movie, it's finished. It's done. It's shelved. They're still not. That's what amazes me. Yeah. If you finished it, yeah, throw it in there once at least. You know. Well, but you see, the tax write-off is of better benefit to them than if they released it. That's, well, but I mean, you put it on HBO, not not necessarily put it in the you would, Then you couldn't do it. That's that's what they're saying. Eh, yeah, I find that hard to believe. That's, they would lose money even releasing it to stream it. That's exactly right. That's why they because did supposedly, it. I mean, well, that's what like, I mean. So you more. still get the tax write off. Yeah. Well, you know, everybody that's involved with it says it's not, of course. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Zaslav, uh, and this is uh, it's very similar because you talk about Dirty Harry. Clint Eastwood made movies for Warner Brothers Studios. For fifty plus years, and this is right when he's he's really starting to do that in seventy one. Dirty Harry makes him a national known name, even though he was known before. But he's it takes him up another level. It takes him oh, up to because he's absolutely carrying that's right. That, at least that initial film for sure. Yes, he's carrying it. It, it becomes a franchise, uh, which you know this is just the beginnings of franchise. James Bond does it the previous decade, but that's about it. And until well, and that's a special case only because you're doing it on a series of books. This is a totally new property. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's that is becoming a series that is created on its own. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, Planet of the Apes is the only even 
even close to like it. That's right. That's, that's exactly. And yeah. it's, you know, it's the same. It's same era. I mean, it's just, yeah, yeah. just a couple yeah, years earlier than exactly that. Exactly the same. Clint Eastwood runs and has made movies, and, and he he doesn't he hasn't for many years appeared in a movie he didn't direct because he's more of a director now than he is otherwise, and he is notorious and famous for one take, always on time and always way under budget. So he he works with whatever he's got, and he has made the studio a gazillion dollars worth of money. The movie he made most recently, I don't know if you guys saw it, but it was a very good movie. Uh, Cry Macho. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, it, it went, a lot of it went to streaming. Well, it, it tanked. It did not do well. It's, it made like three or four million dollars on a thirty million dollar budget. Mm-hmm. And Zaslav said, "Why the hell? Who approved this?" And he's you know bringing his head sort of thing. And they're saying, "But Clint Eastwood has been with us for fifty years and made us money. He's part of the family." He says, "This is not family. This is a business." <laughs> and that's so kind of what we're very anti-Kantian utilitarian view of things. Very much so. That's correct. And that's which, when you think about, it, that's legally businesses have to run that way because they have a fiduciary responsibility. That's why they brought that's in entirely a utilitarian outlook. That on is business. exactly right. And that's what you're t- what Zasloff is doing now. And he's yeah. everything's on the chopping block because it, a lot of they've been running at a deficit for a long, long time and losing money out. Um, and since they don't have Marvel movies to uh, to keep them afloat, uh, the, the criticism has always been they've got all these wonderful DC properties. Why can't they monetize those? Because DC itself doesn't even know what to do with its own properties. Well, there's part of the they problem. are just doing yet another universe-wide, multiverse-wide reboot in this whole Dark Crisis thing that is yep. the current event for for DC, mm-hmm. and all they're doing is repackaging prior. Reboots now, they're not even coming up with new reboots. They're doing. It has been seriously. And talked, Marvel's doing the same thing as far as events. It has been seriously talked about into a de- degree that I am almost scared by, that that Warner Brothers does not believe DC Comics, except as fodder for movies, can make them money in the long run. Right. Well, Other that's th- why DC is now based in LA. That's right. They moved from New York to LA. Other than Batman. And this is including Superman, mind you. Other than Batman, they have no profitable properties at the, at the current moment. I would say there's a lot of reasons for that, but That's I don't want to get into well, the, and those we would, reasons. Uh, I will put it to you this way. All the reasons that I'm suspecting that you're going to name, Zaslav already knows. And that's oh, yes. what he's... Uh, he will either swing the bloody hatchet or he may even shut the doors. Now, that seems awful. But it could... I ha- find that hard to believe. Just well, because... it, it, they, will be, they will become the Batman publishing house. Well, even so, all the, all these ancillary characters will go away. See, yeah, well, and that's you're, but if, I mean, you're going to have to do an awful lot of work to keep uh, the rights to those that's, characters. And therein lies the issue. That's right. Because if you're not publishing some at least one book, a, you know, every so often, yeah, with what with each character, yeah, then you you know they will become public domain. And that's and therein lies the issue, especially now. With, it's a long time, granted. Right. But uh, yeah, it, it can happen. Superman and Batman, and perhaps Wonder Woman, but Wonder Woman's not popular either, uh, despite the movies and the successes they've had. Well, that se- that second movie, yeah, that really screwed the pooch, as far as you know, because people realized, oh my God, she committed rape. Oh well, yeah, see, and, and it was okay. As we've always gone back to, it is always about the story. Yes, and so oftentimes uh, that. Well, the story was good, but the fact... Again, I don't want to get off in 1971, but I mean, this is... Because that's 1984. Because that's 1984. The movie is 1984. It was released, you know, in 20-whatever. But 
the story was fine, but the 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 vehicle of how some of that stuff happened was horribly bad. You know, even it's just by today's standards, especially it is bad. Yeah, because she basically, you know, he her boyfriend took over somebody else's body, and then they had sex. I was like, uh, holy crap! What happened to this guy's uh, ability to say no? Uh, that's exactly right. Yes, uh, but that was okay though because you know it's different. Okay. Um, anyway, sorry, sorry. Back to sorry. 1971. I'd say totally new subject, but how about uh, back to the original subject? And now for something completely yes. different. Yes. So again, the, the, there's these weird confluence of events in 1971. Yes. That also it struck me when I realized. How many, like, monster rock albums were released in 1971? And I'm going to give you some of these. At Fillmore East by the Almond Brothers. Master of Reality by Black Sabbath. American Pie, Don McLean. Pearl, Janis Joplin's final album after her death. Um... Tapestry by Carol King. Oh, that was huge. Aqualung, right. Jethro Tull. It's also huge. Um, and then some of the huge biggies, the absolute monsters. L.A. Woman by The Doors. Their final and again, album. Yeah, hit their final album because Morrison dies in 71. Right, January. Was it very early? Uh, no, summer. Summer, okay. July, he's found in the July. bathtub in Paris. Sticky Fingers by The Rolling Stones. Imagine by John Lennon. Led Zeppelin Four. By Led Zeppelin and Who's Next by The Who. Now, just Led Zeppelin Four and Who's Next are two of my favorite albums. So what are on those albums? Because I, I well, Stairway to Heaven. Okay, Stairway to Heaven is Led Zeppelin Four. Who's Next is Won't Get Fooled Again. Behind mm-hmm. Blue Eyes, uh, Bob O'Reilly. Um, I forget exactly Sticky Fingers, but that's right around the time where they're doing, uh, you know, the Honky Tonk Woman. That's that era of their stuff before Some Girls. And before, like, Beast of right. Burden, that's a little later. That's 78. Um, but Sticky Fingers was a huge seller. And, of course, L.A. Woman is, you know, a monster. So just think about, you know, four of these, five of these monster foundational rock albums all released in the same year is just crazy to me. It's, it's just stunning. Um, like, boom. I guess I am less stunned just because... You know, that's not my kind of music. Well, it's like I mean, I recognize the the yeah. cultural significance and yeah. the value of the music, but it's just it's like okay, fine. I it would go on to define a, a decade uh, of music in many ways because uh, you a certain get, aspect of music, yeah, because yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been argued, and I'm not necessarily saying it's true or not, but I, I can see the argument that the seventies was the greatest era of rock and roll that's ever been recorded. Uh, it's 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 been said that yeah. way. I mean, as we discussed, it is the time when it's kind of hitting stride. The songwriter is firmly established. That's correct. Yes, and it, it, the bands are are spreading their wings because so the Beatles, in many respects, changed everything when they realized not only can the the act itself make money, it can make an ungodly amount of money. And, and they, we can be you, in control of it. That's right. And yet let them do their thing too because they realize... Oh, but it took many years to get to that point where they could wrest control back from the... From yes, that is exactly right. Yes. Yeah, and the Beatles had a lot to do with that because they just made their own studio. You know, they, they, and that's when other, other albums and other artists are realizing, wait a minute, I don't have to do it the way my record label says and come out with this 
packaged bubblegum type of a look that the Beatles start out with. You know, they all dress the same. They got the haircut and all that yep. stuff. Once that program, once they go away from that, then everybody, let, well, let's do our own thing. And, you know, Led Zeppelin's a great example because yes. nobody's done anything like that before. Yes. And, the, and they're an enormous hit. And then you have so many others that said, well, maybe this is the era of a writing your own stuff. The Beatles proved that because they, when they wrote their own stuff, they were awesome. Yeah. And, and, and the guitarists. In many respects, yes. that's not something. Before it was a package deal, you know. You got the music itself really didn't matter much because let's face it, there's just not as much as much talent as in many of them. But when you get somebody that's an absolute amazing talent like Jimmy Page, for example, mm -hmm. that's allowed to do his own thing, people responded to that. They were at that point by then. Right. I mean, they it, responded. Yes. I mean, because this is could have come earlier. The, the starting out of. Um, uh, not just Jimmy Page, but uh, Clapton is huge. But Tony Omi at Black Sabbath is, is, you know, establishing this notion that rock is built around the guitar. Hendrix. And the guitar is Hendrix yeah, is absolutely. monster. That's correct. Um, and that's, that, that's new. Before, yeah, yeah. The, before yeah, they supported Oddly things. enough, it, its own success, rock's own success, and we talked about this, yeah. killed itself. Yeah. Because all of that freedom that they had, ultimately it dilutes... The brand, as we talked about, you know, this type of rock over here is going to look at this type of rock, which we still call rock, yeah. and they're going to look at each other with, with total derision because that's not real rock. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, it, which I find fascinating. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, I mean the heavy metal bands disdaining yes. the hair bands and all mm -hmm. that. Well, versus, versus or the, you, the pop, because I mean, you, you yeah. when you get to the popularity of Journey in the mid '80s, you know. Oh yeah, I mean it's a rock band, but is it? You know, yeah, I mean, I, I'm true right, right there with you because I mean, I love the jokes about like Ario Speedwagon and calling them Ario Retread. I mean, that I love that. So I mean, I'm very much yeah, there. Any album though that has a quote from the the Little Rascals on it has got to be good. Well, I mean, you know, don't kid yourself. High Infidelity sold a crap load of yes, albums. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, and, yeah. And all and Journey, Journey's Escape in '84. Yeah, a crap load of albums. Yeah, and uh, again, just because it's popular doesn't mean it's bad. Just because it's popular doesn't mean it's good. But I'm just pointing out, though, that, you know, it's a very large umbrella that is all due to stuff like this happening a decade earlier. Very much so. It's, just, you know, it's kind of like I said, just sowed the, the, the seeds of their own, not destruction, but as a as a genre. Dissolution, perhaps. Uh, diluted, dilution, yeah. Dilution, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, rock can all of a sudden sustain a vastly different variety of approaches to it. Elton John, for example. Yeah. Very yeah. different. Uh, from uh, Lindsey Buckingham and Fleetwood Mac and Stevie Nicks, which is also very different than Van Halen and yep. all yep. of these others that are that become monster acts. But as you said, though, you know about the '70s being uh, being at its height, or maybe you said it, but I did. I did. Um, you know, when I think of rock, '70s is the decade I think of. That's right. It's exactly it. Yeah. You can parlay a little bit into the late '60s. You could probably make some claim that Sgt. Pepper's forward. I've said that before. Well, I mean, there's some know, truth I mean, to that. But. Rock starts with Elvis. I mean, that's the accepted. Well, or actually, Buddy Holly. I think Buddy Holly predates well, Elvis slightly, but you know, they're they're contemporaries. Certainly. But I mean, he's the king for a reason. Buddy Holly's not the king. Well, yeah, and that's true. And of course, Buddy Holly's early death. You know, yes, is a lot and a bit, you know, Big Bopper and all that stuff beyond the same yeah, because plane. Because they down. were they were even more. I think because well, of course, Elvis was Southern too. Uh, they were very um, radical at the time. Both of yes. those acts were. 
Uh, oh yeah, Elvis especially was you know with those hips uh, gyrating and driving the girls crazy. See, very obscene. Yeah, but you know, it's all a progression uh, from that point forward, and we still call it all rock. But when we think of rock and roll, not just you know rock music. Yeah, uh, it, it's the it's the seventies. That's yeah, exactly right. You think a hard rock, you know, it, that's it's the, stairway. Yeah, I mean uh, the the seventies revolves around stairway to heaven. Yeah. Well, and well, to I, me, if you want to, if you want to pin it to one song, well, I'll go with you on that one. You know, when I think of, well, when I think of good music, period, it doesn't matter what it is. It's got to be more than just you know uh, three or four notes repeated over and over. And this is the point where we, we've gone beyond that, because that's the fifties and six, much of the sixties. That's right. It's it's very much programmatic. Oh, the, the three chords. Yeah. And the truth. Three it's, chords and an attitude. Well, yeah, it's sometimes you don't even need the attitude because it's just, you know, because it's all that, that bubblegum stuff. But that was, that's the best word I, I was going to think about because you look back at the early 60s, pre-Beatles, and so much of those, so many of those acts, whether they be... Well, there's not a whole lot pre-Beatles when you get to the 60s, but... Well, yeah. I mean, they, 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 were, they were usually individual singers like Leslie Gore, for example, uh, and some of these... Uh, or the, the Supremes actually they they predate the uh, Everly Brothers the Everly Brothers exactly. Wait, well, Susie that's a great example of the you know the yeah. bubblegum kind Little of Little Richard Jerry Lee Lewis that's right that was that that's trying to find well, it I would argue Jerry Lee Lewis had his attitude well that's true. Yeah. mostly about underage girls but that's another yeah thing. yeah I mean and, and Little Richard had attitude so yeah, yeah. so right. that's what that's what you're you're trying to find that but it's all still pretty much within this particular box of what the record companies want yes. what they and think there's only so much they will allow that's right because they they yeah. they think they fit they they're cloning Elvis is what they're trying to do and right. you're, and then the Beatles come along and do something totally different and then they were oh crap these British guys know what they're doing and then you have the British invasion I don't really. This, this, how different is it? Well, that's when they arrive. Because how, how different to me, is it? Yeah, it's a bunch of young guys, clean cut, relatively. Granted, they got the the haircut. Yeah. How different are they from Buddy Holly? Right. That's what not I'm saying. much. And they're even cribbing they, Buddy Holly, but they're British. And a little mystery. Yeah. Yes. I'm honestly, not, I think that British aspect helps them more than some of the other things. And because, and when they show are, up, yeah. they aren't that different than the other acts that have gone before them. Yeah, pound, but they're pound, young, right. good-looking, Ringo Assad. Uh, <laughs> well, he's got that nose, okay. you know. Uh, but, you know, they're, real, they're young, relatively good-looking guys, and, you know, they seem like they're clean-cut. Uh, you know, the, the, the first movie, um, The Black and White... Hard Day's Night. Yeah, Hard Day's Night, thank you. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of it's goofy, and it's, it's non-threatening. Yeah. So in many ways, they are not that different from what has gone before, except for the fact they've got those accents, and it, they were exotic enough that they were exotic able to be to be were, replicated. Yes. Because the early Rolling Stones are an attempt to copy that. They yes, the Rolling that. Stones came over pretty much looking the same way as part of that was. I mean, part it's hard of the to British, think of it, but yes, Mick Jagger Brit wore a suit with yeah. with a thin tie. British at one British point. invasion. You got hermits, hermits, and all yes. those other just the animals. I mean, my lord, we could go on on the zombies. They're all trying to cash in on that. Right, and then something happens that I'm not sure any of us can put our fingers on, but some somewhere along the way, and I, I still I still market at Sergeant Pepper's because that's when well, at least that's when it's obvious because right. that's when it's they changed there because yes they've got the control to do that that's right and and yet but they had to still get it there changed before it, I think before oh, yeah. it got there rubber sole and revolver I think or that or that time period where the, where they you know we still look the way we did. Yeah. But, but anyways, that's we're writing our own stuff. Yeah, we're still dancing around well, the seventy-one. Yeah, but we're, we're this is this is the milieu to use that marvelous right, word right. that birthed what 
came out in 71. Not just 71 others, but we're right. for But our- again, it, it marks a point where what they've been doing has been building to, and 71 is this incredible crest. Again... I don't think it's crest or, or not, but it's certainly it's it's it's, it's, it's way at the top of the parabolic right, orbit. Right, that's I mean, correct. Just, yeah, and and you know not to denigrate seventy two or seventy three or even seventy four. Those early seventies, they're all full of that. You know, you've got a period of maybe five by five years. But and, a lot of that is overshadowed by the disastrous events that happens each year after that. That is exactly right, and it doesn't take you long before nineteen seventy six is here, and it's disco. Yes, and that's when that's when things change differently. That doesn't take away all that good rock and roll because late seventy stuff, much of that is just as good as the others. But that they didn't compete with that here. This was pure. Well, and what about the late seventies? Of course, Bonzo's dead. Uh, John Bonham, uh, Keith Moon's dead. You know, uh-huh. the the trauma of these bands uh, is starting to take hold. Um, but then you've, you've but the, you've got the, other younger bands and newer bands. The Eagles are, are the Eagles. You know, they come right peak. again. We know Fleetwood Mac hits a peak and stuff. I just find 1971 is this interesting spot of turning the page. We we've for sure closed on the whole Woodstock hippie thing well, because the end result is now on trial well, in Los Angeles. Yeah. With a swastika carved in his forehead. Uh, all his amazing music. And then what comes after is just disaster after disaster. Well, after yeah, disaster. You, you, you say 71 is a turning of a page, but honestly, I think it's the last page before, before you turn the page. Oh, okay, sure, sure. Because right. if you say 71 is the turning of the page, well, then 72 is turning another page. Yeah, I, I like that. It, it's, it's, it's the last like the, page of a good chapter, and what comes after is really bad. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, it's those themes are continued throughout the rest of the decade. Yeah. But there's so much other stuff going on. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it in the show prep. Or actually, it wasn't even show prep. It was before we, uh, I think it was launch, or I don't know when it was, but when we were talking about it earlier, there's so much that happens. You know, uh, there's the, the, the 72 Olympics, the, the Munich Massacre. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. disaster for 72. Well, it's also yeah. an election year. And it's when well, Nixon. I was trying not to categorize Nixon as a disaster. Well, I mean, I mean it's the water in 72 it was not. But right, but is, the fallout of that, that is in 73. Yeah, that's right. So the break-in happened summer of 72. September 72 is the Olympics. Yes. You know, and then, right, fallout, the trials and all that coming out of Watergate in 73. The oil shock in 74. Yeah, the U.S. pullout. Uh, oh, yes. Vietnam. You know, Vietnam is not the... 73. 73 is the peace accord. Peace accord, Where yes. we're supposed to stop, uh, you know, any offensive action. Uh, 75 is the final pullout. Um, you know, and Which then, was absolutely the, the death knell of American exceptionalism for its time. Because... And, yeah, and many of us could not handle that. I mean, it was... It was Afghanistan, only smaller in, in many ways. Afghanistan actually was worse. Well, I mean, it, it, there's a prophecy in 1971 that you all know, because that's the year George C. Scott won the Oscar for Best Actor of Patton. Yeah. Uh, and, that's, and, of course, we remember that famous line in the, in, during his speech at the very beginning, that's why Americans have never lost and will never lose a war, which, of course, was Franklin J. Schaffner's way of kind of saying, come on, boys, we've done this before, let's go take them. Uh, this is not that far different from John Wayne's Green Berets of just a year or two earlier. 
And uh, Scott rejected that. He didn't even want to say that line, but he, he, he did it anyway because he's a professional. And it kind of, it's almost like it's a death knell. He refused the Oscar. Uh, correct, absolutely. And that's very famously uh, uh, at this point. Why? I don't I remember I don't remember his reasoning. Uh, unlike Marlon Brando, who was, who decided, of course he was Brando and he's weird. And he's made his, <laughs> he sends in Sashim Littlefeather, uh, this is in 74, uh, to uh, speak about the injustices performed against the Native American people. Uh, when it uh, when it comes to Scott, he uh, just didn't, he just didn't think they should compete against each yeah, other. Yeah, he didn't like a competition. He he thought it was all he viewed the Oscars as a meat parade. That's what he called it. He he said it, he said it was it was phony. Oh, very how a very how a very patent esque uh, way to describe yeah, it. Yeah, because you're, we shouldn't be competing against each other in art this way. The, yeah, he, he was so well, I mean, a consummate professional. In many the ways. Oscars really are a, a Hollywood circle jerk. Well, and, and he recognized that, and he says, "No, I'm I'm, I'm an actor. I want to act. Uh, thank you, but no thanks. You know, this is this is faux. This is manufactured. Uh, this is just as much a show as anything else." Well, dislocating our shoulders to pat ourselves on the back. I wonder if he would have accepted a People's Choice Award. Good question. Maybe. Um, Although I've never voted on one of those, so I don't know how the uh, people yeah, well, actually choose. Yeah. Yeah. So let's take a quick bourbon break. Uh, as we time discuss, already? Wow. Discuss 1971. Yes. So I... You know, uh, they've probably discussed other things more than 1971. Uh, well, you know, that's kind of the way this works. It's yes. what it is. Oh, crap. I'm out. You're out? I'm out. Oh, well. Oh, you want some more... Uh, uh, the bottom of Mr. Howard. But, uh, no, that's uh, all right. I will, I will just talk about what we've done. Um, so I, I poured one last little snort uh, with lots of ice of the Yellowstone. Uh, again, the super-duper uh, distilled and aged in Kentucky. That's the only way to do it. That's right. Um, that kind of that good 90 proof. It's right about in the right spot. It's in a good proof sweet spot. It is. No pun intended. Mm. Yeah, that yellow set is very much a surprise. I, I really do like that. Oh, so much. Especially for a $30 bottle of bourbon. I mean, that's, that's good. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah I, if you asked me uh, which one of my favorites, it would, it's, it's definitely of that. Of that, yes. So, uh, Robert... You said you hadn't poured anything, but no, I hadn't poured anything. But you know, like I said, I did very much like the Yellowstone. It was it, it is very good. Um, unlike now, again, I didn't not like the Wild Turkey, the one hundred and one that we had earlier, the, yeah. the first episode that we recorded today. Uh, but it just wasn't nearly as smooth. And more and more as we as we try more and more bourbons, I'm finding that my preference is for the super smooth, uh, for mm -hmm. the ones where that. Uh, like the uh, Old Forester and the uh, the uh, other, what was the other wild turkey that we did? Uh, just the basic, was it? Yeah, yeah just, just the basic. Just yeah. Straight Standard grain wild turkey. wild turkey, that's right. Both of those that, that you know that we'd done, the basic uh, wild turkey and the basic Old Forester, uh, and the 100 signature, uh, all of those had that just uh, uh, kind of like an explosion of flavor in your mouth that I'm really, really liking. That, that's the, to me, that's what I'm looking for. Uh, doesn't necessarily have to be sharp, although I like a sharp one every once in a while. But my preference is for those smoother ones that uh, just have that explosion of flavor in my mouth. That's just good. Francis, any uh, follow-on comments? Uh, uh, no, I, I, I like the Wild Turkey 101 a lot, but it's uh, the proof, once you get above 100, I'm not as much of a fan. It gives me a headache very quickly. Yeah, I want to stick around that 80. 80, 80 to 90 is, is kind of my Yeah, I think spot. so too, yeah. Uh, uh, if you have 100, hits, hits that just it, right. Yeah, that's the 100 proof and above. 
that's why they, you know, even the big time aficionados will tell you, that's when you really should do ice and a little bit of water to help dilute it because it, it is powerful. It's more powerful than it was, you know, it's just, it just is. Yeah. yeah. But still good. Uh, and one of the reasons why I don't mind not having one right now is I got to drive when I leave here and nice. I got farther to go than you guys. Yeah, I may end up uh, sacking out here for a, uh, a little bit on uh, Francis' couch for a bit. Yeah, there you go. I'll Good. just let Oliver come up here and sit with me and hang out. If that's if that just uh, blows your skirt up, knock yourself out. He's a good boy. He's a good boy. When he, when he is quiet, he is wonderful. So you subscribe to the uh, uh, seen but not heard. Oh, you betcha. Absolutely. Is that true for children as well as dogs, or just dogs? Um, no, nah, it's uh, it's pretty much dogs. Yeah, that's right. Well, I thought you were saying, eh, it's pretty much all of them. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't, I don't. But I don't have any kids that are that small anymore. And I guess I, if you uh, ask me again when I if I when and if I do, and I might say I have a different answer, but no. Well, you never know. Yes. Well, well you know, any new little ones that come into your life would tend to be grandchildren. Yeah, I would. Think, and yeah. those would be the kinds like, oh, they can scream all they want because they're going back to mom's. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, I've been uh, been hanging out with uh, Francis's new little dog, or not super new. He's, he's been around a, another recording session here. Oh, coming up on a year. Yeah, yeah. Little Oliva. He's a little kind of Spitz style dog, little yeah. itty bitty dude. Uh, a great big fluff ball that sends hair in every direction. Uh, well, but he's awful sweet, and I've been feeding. He's not him. a big dog, but the. Fluff compared to dog is probably a pretty yes, big ratio. Yes, yeah. yes, the ratio of dog to fluff is probably about 50 50. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but he's a good boy, and I've been giving him treats all day, and uh, Francis has just been kind of avoiding him. So, so pretty much the norm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something like it, yeah. I come over. I'll have to make sure Samantha brings uh, Nemo over, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll let Nemo give you uh, the wet willies. Oh, good God, no. <laughs> a parrot, heaven forbid. So there, there we go. We we like to have our our canine buddies make appearances. Uh, we do, uh, we do on the show, and and so Oliver is uh, getting his mention today. So back to nineteen seventy one. Yes. So, uh, so we talked a lot about music. So yes. what else is going on culturally? Because you know, is, you know we, we're talking. We want to talk about the culture in general. Right. Culture. Again. So Norman Lear is taking hold of TV by the throat. Yes. And not letting up. Uh, again, all the rural shows are gone. Ed Sullivan's now gone. Uh, variety shows are kind of breathing their last. Although I think the Sunday Red Share... Skelton might still... Yeah, Red Skelton yeah. is still around. Uh, uh, Carol Burnett. Bonanza is still here, uh, but not for much longer. Yeah, uh, Gunsmoke is still be, here, but not for much longer. It would also be kind of headed yeah. to the ash bin. But uh, yeah, I mean... The variety show is still around. I think Johnny Cash's show still comes about. Sonny and Cher's. Oh, well, Sonny and Cher was huge. Yeah. <coughs> it was a so, huge so those are, early those are still years. coming. Yeah, there, there are probably more than we think. It's probably less because it really, I don't think you see the true end of the variety shows uh, until later on in the decade when, uh, you know, Carol Burnett and Sonny and Cher are pretty much are done. Yeah. But all that stuff comes back, you know. Uh, Mass Singer and all this other BS stuff, that's variety shows again. It's just, just a yeah, different style. A competition format of the variety show. Yeah. Rather than hosted by someone that's kind yeah, of Yeah, with a, a variety of acts right. or yeah. skits like Carol Burnett. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, th- they're are, they are around for a while. It's just 
just a, a few big ones. Yeah. Just not a whole lot yeah. of them. Yeah, the, the the big dog daddy though, with Ed Sullivan. Yeah, uh, that was the granddaddy. Last yeah. episode, um, and again we, we talked a little bit about the this the emergence of the cinema verite and the gritty new filmmaking, the historical gritty new television too. I mean yeah. that's the whole Norman Lear thing. Yeah. So the 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 historical epic is is gone. Um, the musical is kind of gone. Yep. Um, you know, nobody's lining up to make again. It's sound the, of music again. Nobody wants that light-hearted stuff. It seems, or at least that's not what they're willing to put on television. So, you know, entertainment shapes the culture as well as the culture shaping entertainment. Yeah, uh, it's not one or the other. They go hand in hand. It, you know, uh, this one feeds that, and then in turn feeds back the other way. And and, and you know, it's very rare that one does the other entirely. Right. So, you know, again. You're seeing uh, Dirty Harry, which is going to lead to... Well, two more sequels in that decade. Yeah, uh, yeah, two more sequels in that decade. Yeah. Plus but, John uh, Wayne making cop movies. Well, yeah, Hugh which is Brad just, again. to me, just weird. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you know, if he's not in a, a cowboy outfit or a military uniform, it just seems wrong. Uh, him in a suit just seems like, you going to a party somewhere? What's going on? I, I don't understand this. Where, where's the horse? Um, but, you know... It, it does. It does start this this entirely new trend, and we've talked about a lot of the results of these new trends that that started at the beginning of the nineteen seventies. Uh, we talk about the cop shows and the detective shows that uh, uh, you know, like uh, James Garner in um, Rockford Files, uh, Rockford Files, and uh, all of the other things that that come up. And yes, uh, movies like The French Connection as one. I yeah, was it's also a nineteen seventy one film as well. Oh, okay, yeah. So so. To think that the French Connection and Dirty Harry are both out in 1971, we really see a page turn then, or you know, a whole new idea of what a movie should be. Yes, that is a page turn in my opinion. Yeah, that, yeah I would definitely because call it, yeah. again, the set aside the the historical epic. That's all right because it is truly a break from the past. Yeah, the the um, you know the only other thing going then is you know drive-in movies and science fiction. Yes, you know, uh, most of all the other genres are, are dead. Well, yeah, wants well, to there's not even a whole lot of science fiction going well, on. As we say, yeah, because that was that was often an expensive proposition uh, that they would get. But just playing the westerns are almost done. I mean, I don't. Yeah. I mean, uh, John Wayne will still make some. Clint Eastwood will make just a, a handful, uh, but that's about it. <clears throat> well, again, those are expensive to make, and you know it. It kind of goes part and parcel with the seventies. We always think of the, the seventies as a time when, uh, you know, you can't afford anything for whatever reason, and you know, well, maybe, well, inflation is huge. Well, inflation is later though. Well, not that much. I mean, you're talking about nineteen seventy. No, not seventy one. No, it's, but you're talking about by seventy three and seventy four. It's a big deal. I mean, the yeah. whip inflation now buttons with Ford. You know, yes, yeah. but you know, and, and you know, it gets better for a little bit, but then gets worse again by the time Jimmy Carter comes along during his yeah. presidency. So yeah, inflation is a big deal during the seventies. Um, you know, it just, it's kind of, it's almost like 1971 is the last gasp and grasp of the culture at having a good time. Really? Before things get really bad. Yeah. You know, kind of sucky for the rest of the decade. That's not to say that there aren't highs in the rest of the decade, because you've got, uh, from a musical perspective, from, you know, for me, this is a good thing, uh, the emergence of punk and new wave music. And uh, you've got some uh, 
other great things. I mean, you know, most people are, are going to denigrate disco, but people who are alive back then, they were listening to it secretly, unless they were the, the real big deadheads. That's and, right, yeah, because and the, 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 the dreaders in, in Detroit, the, Detroit Rockers engaged in the abolition of disco. Uh, my brother still has his uh, dread card. Bobby Darren, really? Yeah. Uh, Detroit Rockers engaged in the abolition of disco. Oh. WRIF uh, 101, the riff. Uh, they're the ones who were uh, putting that out. Yeah, they I, come up with a lot of... A <coughs> so, you know, you, you got a lot of stuff that is going on that is still good stuff, but it just, you know, you got the Kent State shootings in the in the 70s. That's right. Uh, you've got the hostages in Iran. Uh, you've got just so much negative stuff that is happening... It's like body blow after body blow, and 71 just seems to be that last year before it really just starts. Yeah, that yeah. cultural downslide. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I find it fascinating for that reason, and you know, these monumental cultural achievements in popular entertainment uh, to think how influential a film Dirty Harry is. The French Connection, again, thought of as one of the greatest American films of all time. Um, and in all these great record albums, it's just, wow, this is, this is just this stunning intersection of so many things before so much of what we remember the 70s for, you know, all turns to crap. Um, and, and then... They, the cherry in the Sunday on top of all of it is the insanity of the Manson trial. Right. So, Which is actually, you know, it is pretty early. in, in you can, uh, Starts in early 71, doesn't it? Um, yeah, he's, con it, he's convicted it, it much, by April. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. It, it's, it yeah. lasts several months. But, but you know, it, of course, it, the, the killings are in 69. Right. You know, you um, know it, it really does capture the attention of the country. I mean, very quickly, there's a movie made. Uh, and I tell you what, that movie saw reruns on television constantly, year after year. That mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't just a year of the the uh, trial and whenever that movie first came out. Yeah. yeah, it made the television rounds like clockwork. It was like you know, every year around Easter, you're going to watch Wizard of Oz. Uh, same kind of thing. It would make its right. rounds uh, yeah. for quite some time. I mean, and, and Manson became a byword for the incomprehensible. Yes, the, the, for for an insanity but, that uh, is 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 not uh, not imaginable, and I think that's one of our upcoming episodes. We'll go into that some more uh, with the trial and the crimes. Well, I mean, when, at, at the very the very first line of uh, U 2s Rattle and Hum from nineteen eighty eight, the first song is Helter Skelter. Bono gets on the line and it's it's a live performance. He says, "This is a song Charles Manson stole from the Beatles. We're stealing it back." <laughs> yeah, well, Susan the Banshee stole it back before they yeah. did. All right, all right. Honestly, I like Susie's version better than both the Beatles and... Uh, I'm pretty attached to the Bono version. I really am. Yeah. Yeah, well, it. the reason I like the, the Susie and the Banshee's version, uh, it's more energetic than either of the other two. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a, a song that is called Helter Skelter should be energetic. Well, yeah, absolutely. You know, Motley Crue covered it as well. Well, yeah, it's one of those things a lot of people have covered. Yeah, yeah. So. I imagine theirs is pretty energetic as well. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Seventy-one. You know, the more you think about, it, even though we were, I was five, you were five. 
He he was six. Yeah, Francis was because he's the old man in the group. That's exactly right. Uh, you but know, a turned six. You all turn five. So yeah, well, yes, much, much yes. You year. were five most of the year. That's, That's right, true. exactly. And you know, I was four half the year. You were four for most of the year. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, you would have been, uh, you know, even even not even in first grade yet. Oh no, no, no! I'm uh, not at the beginning of the year. Not the beginning of the. Year. Um, yeah, 1971 saw the uh, the return to the moon after the Apollo 13 accident. Yeah, so, so you know that was again. So the Apollo program is ongoing. Yes. Yeah, so 14 well. and 15. I don't know if 16 happened in, in 71 or not, but uh, might have been 72. With but you know we had two two more moon landings. So again, you know we're, things are riding high. You know Manson aside, uh, for the most part. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. So well, I, that's a good uh, observation. I don't think many people would have come up with that. You came up with that one all on your own? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, certainly, if you hadn't, I would not think less of you. Well, maybe I'd think a little less of you, but not much. Well, I, I, I mean, I think, I, you know, hit the internet somewhere, mentioned about some of these rock albums in 71, right. and then realized... Well, that's a trigger to think, wow, that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. that's a big deal. Especially, you think, Sticky Fingers, L.A. Woman, Led Zeppelin IV, and Who's Next? Uh, I'm not a huge John Lennon fan, but I I recognize the, you know, the enormity of the Imagine album. Yeah. So when you think about, you know, I have like all four of those records, <laughs> you know, on CD. It's like, wow, they're all from seventy. Yeah, that's right. They're all from seventy one, and wow, seventy one is Manson goes on trial, which is a huge cultural phenomenon. Mm-hmm. You know? Muhammad then, Ali beats the snot out of Joe George, Frazier. Joe Frazier. That's right. And, and then again, Is that the Thrill in Manila? Uh, no. Yeah, no. No. This that that's comes later. later. That's, that's later. later. That's right. This is Madison Square Garden. That's right. Um, Whoop up on them. And, and then when you again you, you tumble on to wow okay Dirty Harry 71 and there's uh, some other great movies from 71 and Hmm, and lots of forgettable ones too. That's not oh yeah. yeah, I mean every every year has forgettable movies. Yeah, yes. but, I mean, but uh, I just I found that all of that very fascinating, and started kind of ruminating on this whole idea of how interesting '71 is, and then again you tack on to it that '72 becomes Watergate break-in, Munich massacre, '73 becomes all the Watergate hearings and trials. 74 is a resignation. 73 is, uh, you know, the stopping Vietnam. Uh, the 75, the final pullout of, from Hanoi. Uh, you know, Ford's big disaster, pardoning uh, Nixon and everything. It's like, well, that was never not going to happen. Though. Yeah, but it's just like kind of one thing after the next after the next. These body blows for the American psyche. Um, right, which is why it's, it's so. Younger people today who do not have memories of it, they just will never understand the cultural significance of Ronald Reagan to guys like us. Yeah. Well, and and they think everything is a disaster. Well, that yeah. everything's like the worst thing that ever happened. It's like right because they weren't around to, to do it. Like, dude, come on. So yeah, not everything. Yeah, yeah. Let's not even go there. <laughs> we can spend episode after episode going there, and I don't yeah. want to. Doggone it, you kids. We walked uphill to school both ways. In the snow. In the snow. And when you lived in the dorms at Bellarmine, that's true, literally. But that's right. That's very true. That's right. That's right. That's why I told Samantha, my, you know, the, the middle slum, that, uh, that that's what she would be able to tell her children one day. She walked through the snow, uphill, 
in the rain, both ways. Both ways. To get to school. To get to class. Yeah, it was college, but still. All right. It counts. So, I think that's a pretty good place to wrap up this episode. Yes, Francis, my buddy, what is next time? Well, for, uh, again, Martin seems to have hijacked everything because we talked a little bit about the Manson stuff. He wants to talk more about the Manson stuff. So next week we're going to talk more about the Manson stuff. The Helter, Helter Skelter, Helter Skelter. Uh, this cultural touchstone of the early 70s that Martin, just like a terrier, just cannot seem to let go. <laughs> so we're going to go a little bit deeper with what the heck happened and what it means for our culture, because it certainly does, even today. Yes. So be here next week. Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes publish every Friday at noon Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And leave us a comment or review, because that helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next week, same snake time, same otter channel.